Hi, I'm James. And I'm Drew. And welcome to Graphic Support Group, a mindful podcast for the design industry and the self, where empathy and the creative cloud meet. Join us as we delve into the mind and soul of graphic design, from PSDs to PTSD. This is Graphic Support Group. guys, we're uh, back again for another hot episode of Graphic Support Group. Great session here. Um, I'm James. I'm Drew. And uh, we are here with Noah Baker, who is one of my personal favorite designers. And he lives in Brooklyn, as I do. Uh, he's a graphic designer based in Brooklyn. Um, I'm going to read a... Actually, this bio is, is uh, taken from the Ghostly International... <laughs> website which had a bio for you but i thought it was pretty uh on the on the on point so uh, his process driven work often consists of detailed and nuanced typography textural image making and deep visual research um he works with a wide range of clients within music and the arts uh most notably 8093 formerly known as whitey's um and ghostly international uh as far as music and then he had been at, at Medium for the last couple of years as well, working in-house with another guest of ours, Ronald. Um, so that's that's a, an interesting connection. But yeah, we're really excited to talk through the work that's, you know, very unique and exciting and always kind of changing. So it's exciting <laughs> to follow along. And Yeah, the and evolution has been really, really fun to track. Um, yeah, and thanks again to Renald because Renald actually, uh, was, you were one of his top recommendations. So we're really oh, happy awesome. to have you, uh, into the GSG family here. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for the intro and, uh, yeah. Shout out to Renald. Is there anything that you would like to add? Because that was a pretty brief, uh, um, not really. I mean, um, as of, as of, uh, recently, as of like June, I'm, I'm fully solo doing like a studio practice of my own. Um, and yeah, up until then I had been at, at medium, but, uh, but that's a somewhat recent development. Um, so yeah, but otherwise cool. no, you know that. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's anything you <laughs> wanted to start off with. I actually, we haven't done that really, but I've realized in a lot of therapy sessions I've been in, they also sometimes ask the guests, like, you know, they mm. ask you, like, is there anything that you wanted to discuss today? That's a good question. Um, not, not off the top of my head, honestly. Oh um, yeah. But... I'm sure things will come up, but I just, yeah, yeah. To, at least, you know, um, so one, one thing that we're trying to do is introduce some more questions that are like standard for all of our guests. And cool. I think I sent both of them to you before, but the first one that we're trying out is, uh, how has your attitude towards design been lately? Um, which yeah. is obviously a complicated question with layers. So you know, yeah, you yeah. Answer that however you want. Right. I think, I think I'm going to kind of answer it through the lens of like my, my current work situation. Um, Cause that definitely kind of determines my attitude. I feel like so, so being recently freelance um, you know, a lot of people who, 
who know me or know my work, like actually have, have thought that I, I was freelance before or something, or, or people who didn't see some of the medium work, you know, there was a, um, I was freelancing basically, uh, on the side kind of nights and weekends. Um, and that became a full-time thing. So that really like changed the balance of like work and fun and just kind of everything, you know, about how I was like thinking about all this, like, um, so that's, that's kind of a big part of like what I'm thinking about these days is like, how do I like both maintain an appropriate distance from my own work where I'm not like totally consumed by it. Um, and also to take it seriously and to push myself because like nobody else is going to. Um, so that's been sort of a switch. Like when you go from doing freelance stuff on the side for fun to doing it full time as your own business, it's, uh, obviously I, I don't have a ton of experience to speak to you know it's only been a few months but so far it feels like a pretty dramatic shift um so yeah that's that's definitely a lot of what's on my mind so in terms yeah, of i mean i always Sorry, am on. curious about people who transition to freelance just because i have a slightly kind of freelance-ish I mean, my teaching is my main occupation, but like mm -hmm. there are half of my week where I have to technically be like freelance. And I'm always curious about like setting like boundaries and also like getting into routines of discipline. Um, but particularly from what I, from what you mentioned, I'm curious about that shift in attitude. Like you now have to take it much more seriously because it's your business, it's your livelihood. And also like, how has that shifted how you think you should present yourself in certain capacities? Yeah. Yeah. I think how you present yourself definitely has changed a little bit. I mean, I've, uh, it's sort of all very internal and like with clients and, and stuff like that. Like, it's not like I didn't like sort of announce to the world that I was going freelance and I'm, I'm not sort of like marketing myself in that way. Um, but, uh, I would say, yeah, just in like the actual client relationships, like I've had to sort of, clean it up a little bit. Um, and like, you know, whereas I could previously just like conduct a whole project, you know, over emails or over text even. Um, and you know, like, I don't know, get paid in very simple ways. Like now it's like, okay, I have to write contracts and I have to like do all this like kind of business end stuff. Um, just so that I don't like screw myself over or that I'm able to like, you know, still make a good living in a, in a year. Um, so that's, that's been like one of the big shifts is like, oops, I gotta worry about the business stuff too. Um, and just not even business, but just like administrative stuff, you know? It's, yeah. yeah. I think that's what I'm trying. I think, I think we've been kind of like dancing around some of like the problem problems or the problematic prop things with this transition but like i like to also just hear like about your excitement about it like are you psyched about it and like how yeah. are you balancing that like excitement with like as you said that ba need for balance because like you can't be on like you know revving it like a hundred all the time <laughs> now that totally. you can like you can wake up you can wake up in the morning and design and then go to bed at like three and you know um, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's shifted in a positive way. I think, um, I don't think I'm, I'm really that extreme of like a person with my, with my working hours. And like, honestly, especially since COVID that was like when I moved in with my girlfriend. Um, and like, that's also just sort of been like a forcing function. Cause she goes to bed earlier than I would if I were alone. 
so it's just like this thing where I was never like, you know, staying up till three every night. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I've just been sort of forced into like a pretty normal regimen, which I think is somewhat rare among, uh, like peers who are freelancers. Like I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people, especially people who have been doing it maybe for a long time have like really, um, shaped the freelance experience to their ideal lifestyle. Um, and I kind of haven't figured that out yet. Like I'm still basically treating it like a nine to five, you know, like I'm not like, Oh, I wake up at noon every day or like, Oh, I, you know, never work from November to January because that's when I travel, you know, like people have stuff like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty like boring, normal routine so far for me. I think boring is probably the best, uh, or not, I don't mean to cast judgment, but boring is probably a good way to have a, a solo practice. I think the, the less boring, the, the less boring, the maybe more dangerous. Yeah, but in some, some people it's like just inherent to their personalities, you know, like it's right. Right. It's how they make good work even like not to like, I don't know. I don't think many designers treat themselves like artists in the sense of like, I don't know, like the tortured artist or like, Oh, I can only make music when I'm like high on X, Y, Z or something. Like, I don't think most designers are that like, uh, I don't know, self involved or something, but there is some of that. Thank you for being here. I'd like you to take a moment to appreciate yourself and to reflect on how you've chosen to spend your day. Take note of the fact that you've set aside this valuable time to learn more about your industry and be open to its infinite possibilities. You are here. It is now. You are surrounded by like-minded thinkers, colleagues, friends, acquaintances, role models, and perhaps even some adversaries. You may be feeling overwhelmed, envious, inspired, hopeful, hopeless, anxious, eager, tired, burnt out, or energized. Wherever you are, take a breath in and try to instead simply see the bounty of goodness here today, the community of thoughtful designers from all around the world who have chosen to spend their day together in positive discourse about the work they do and their love for it. You are a valuable member of this community. You are part of something bigger than yourself. You see value in this larger scheme and seek knowledge by immersing yourself in its richness. If your eyes are open, you will see everything. The outcome rests mostly in how you decide to look, 
This will guide you on your journey and help you appreciate the goodness around you today. Um, I think this would be a nice time to transition into our classic question. Um, could you share a lasting experience from your design career that has affected you emotionally or psychologically? Yeah, it's kind of a tough one because nothing like immediate sort of as, as far as like a you know design trauma really came to mind. Um, but, uh, but I was thinking about just like um, how both times that I've left a job, it sort of like was this, um, psychological sort of like, uh, yeah, I don't know, t- a tough decision that was definitely like kind of more about me than, than, um, than like the job or the, the, the cold hard facts. Like it was very like, um, self, I don't know. So I, uh, joined a, agency, like a digital agency right out of school, um, that I had been interning at the summer before. And like, as soon as I got there to like start my full-time job, I I was like, oh my God, this is so not like what I should be doing. Like this specific type of design, um, was, it was more like advertising. Um, it's like a little bit of like kind of digital innovation as they said. Um, and, uh, and let's unpack that. Yeah. Uh, but it basically was just like, you know, the people were nice and I, I had fun generally, but the work was like, it was a lot of like photo retouching and like kind of campaign type stuff. Nobody in the, like, I don't think there's a single person in the building who like cared about typography at all. Um, and it was just so different from like what I was coming from an undergrad where like, you know, as an undergraduate too, I feel like your, your taste and your interest in design are like changing so quickly because you just got introduced to design you know and so it was like like i was talking about this with with chantal my girlfriend earlier like i i loved like you know dribble style like flat vector like (laughs) stuff that's like very like cringy to me now like was like i was obsessed with it and then you know after that it was like oh i love like you know the new york times and everything they do is just like that's exactly what I want to do. And then it was like, okay, now it's like Rudnick and Eric who and Hassan. And like, you know, it was just like these like phases of interest. So these all happened like between the internship and the job, I feel like. And so anyway, so, so it was not the right place for me. And I realized that as soon as I got there, but I think something had just kind of been like instilled in me or something that it was like a bad thing to leave a job after a short period. Um, or, you know, I thought that, that I wasn't sure what I could even get as far as a job after this. Um, so I ended up staying for a year, um, and worked on some really kind of (laughs) strange projects, including, uh, a like branding and website for an adult diaper brand. Um, Wow. Wow. What's it called? Uh, it's called, it's called prevail. Um, Wow. And it was actually, you know, it was always described as, uh, don't say diaper, say, oh, what was it? Oh man, I can't remember. Something with incontinence, like, 
anyway, uh, it was, it was rough. Uh, but it, it just took so long to, to kind of get to the point where I could leave because I was really kind of lacking in like, um, decisiveness on the career end. And, and I was a little scared to, uh, to leave cause I thought something bad would happen or that they'd hate yeah. me or something. Um, that's your first and then job that, that's, too. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Totally. So, you know, there's like all those things that people tell you and like, our undergrad program had like a, a career advisor who was really good. And so she was like, you know, would instill the types of things in us like, Oh, you know, you stayed a place for this long and you always like, you know, send a follow up from your cover letter, you know, all that kind of like, um, right. So I've always been very much like a kind of like a good boy on those types of things. Mm-hmm. Like I'm mm-hmm. very like, mm-hmm. like practical and pragmatic when it comes to career stuff, which I think most people probably wouldn't guess when you like look at my work. Um, but uh, that same thing happened with my, my second job where, you know, it wasn't a case that I was like doing work I hated or anything like that. Um, in fact, I like really loved it for a, for a while. Um, but similarly, like I just, it was time to go and I, I didn't decide to go until a lot after that. Cause I was just like, no, I'm like, I'm here and like nothing's wrong and I'm making money. And like, so why would I disturb that? So it's, it's just like, I don't know. It's sort of something that I, I think about when I'm like talking to, to students or something is like, I don't know what the advice even is though, because like, it's not just like leave whenever you feel like it, because that's not all, that's not always good advice either, you know, Mm -hmm, but it's definitely not like be frozen and like, just because you have a job, never take any risks or never like, you know, go outside your comfort zone or so anyway, yeah, kind of a a rambling answer, but. It sounds like, I mean, for me to just interpret a little bit of what you said, it's like, I think the importance here is like taking temperature of how you're feeling about your job and then periodically being able to put forth some action. Whereas I think, for you, the lasting kind of trauma is that you, as you said, like you were kind of paralyzed by that, that notion that you knew that it wasn't the place you really wanted to be. Um, right. But you didn't know how to put like steps forward because I've been in situations like that too, where it's like, I know this is not the right move. And, but I like either physically, like financially can't leave right now, or just like, don't know what the plan is next. Um, so I think it's, it's hard to like, as you said, when there's fear involved, like, you know, draw a picture for yourself, like to move forward. And I mm-hmm. think that it sounds like um, those two experiences were like it allowed you to kind of make this transition that you've made recently. Yeah. I mean, which is kind of the, the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, it's kind of the, the strange thing, right. Is like, you know, making the leap to freelance is like what a lot of people perceive as like the scariest thing or like, people wouldn't be scared of leaving a job, but they would be scared of that. And for me, it just like, it got to the point and this, this isn't to say it would be this like simple of a decision for everybody, but I just got to a point where I was like, okay, I want to, I want to move on from, from medium um, where I was. And the only thing that's like remotely exciting is going on my own and not even really in a scary way. Cause I just felt like pretty secure financially because of medium and uh you know secure in other aspects of my life where i felt like it was an okay time to like try it out um and not have it be like the end of the world if it 
crashes and burns and then I, you know, can, can try to get another job. But I recognize that that's, that's not, yeah, I was just going to say, I recognize that that's not like the position that everyone's in. Like for some people, they may feel like they can only freelance. Otherwise they can't do anything. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do. I, it's interesting to hear you talk about it because I mean, I relate in every way to what you went through. I don't think I had the confidence or esteem or value of myself to ever feel like I could make a decision like that uh, with with confidence until like maybe last year or something like that, you know. But um, I think like there's like this sort of desperation that can sort of freak people out where it's like, oh, do I want to be the person who's like knocking on all the doors trying mm-hmm. to sell my my worth to all these clients <laughs> for the rest of my life like you know if you yeah. there there's two ways to look at it it's like one is like obviously you value yourself and you think that your worth your you, your work has value and a specific value and that means that if you were to put all of your time and energy into that you could potentially you know have clients left and right because you're just constantly, you know, sending emails to people or reaching out to people you want to work with. And that's sort of like half of your day is like kind of upkeep of that and sort of managing those relationships. And then the other half is like doing the work, which, you know, takes a long time, but is manageable to do if you're working on the appropriate number of projects. So like this idea again, that like there's like a desperation or like things will dry up is sort of interesting because you, you also do have a relative, amount of control over that right like if you're if you're like seeking new business and you like also value that aspect of the job which it seems like you do and always have because you you said like you know i've been very professional about this stuff for a long time which is is interesting because i feel like i come from the same background it's like what would the career advisor tell me to do about this (laughs) and it's like yeah it's just i think it's just a different uh perspective but i i find it interesting that like those two things can't be compatible like you don't have to like be at the under the thumb of like a bigger organization or like part of something bigger to still be professional and i think yeah. like maybe that's kind of the fallacy too where it's like yeah you're getting over the idea that like it's desperate or like it could all fall apart like that could happen to a company too you know like obviously right. not as easy but Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, you could be fired, right? You could like your boss could just be like such a like abusive asshole that you like feel like you need to leave or something, you know, like all these things can go yeah. wrong in a professional setting. Same thing, like things can go wrong with, with individual clients at freelancing or, you know, or you could just totally like you're saying, like stuff could start to dry up and you could start to get desperate. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that that's, that's sort of one thing that I've tried to be conscious of is like, as much as I can, um, just try not to even kind of get to that headspace. Um, mm. and it's hard because like you, you might have more work on, you know, Wednesday than you do on Thursday. And you're like, Oh, these projects are kind of wrapping up and like, I have one going, but it's like not paying that well. So like, maybe I should like hit up that person that I've been meaning to who like, you know, has an in for some big job or something. Um, and sometimes you do that and nothing happens and then you're like, oh no, like, you know, so 
And then other times you do it and suddenly things pick back up right at the same time. Then you're like, oh my God, I'm overcommitted. So it's just like, you know, you have to sort of like put your, your feelings of like fear just like to rest a little bit or at least like sort of pretend for, for a period of time where you can be like, okay, I genuinely, I haven't gotten to this point, right? It's only been a few months, but like, okay, let's say I haven't done any work in three weeks. Like that would be bad. I would, I would start to feel desperate. Right. Um, but if, if I have a couple days without working or, you know, I plan like a, I don't know, weekend away and then there's no work when I get back or something like I've just sort of told myself like, that's, that's okay. Like, don't freak out because when you do freak out and you do start getting desperate, then suddenly, like, at least in my experience, like some projects have come in and then I've, I've regretted getting desperate and like reaching out to people. And now I can't reach out to them again. Or, you know, just like things that I'm just like, mm-hmm. have to kind of keep, yeah. keep the It's balance. like almost like the energy. It's like the same mentality of like, you know, if you go to a place to meet people and you look really nervous and like, and like not very happy to be there it's not like anybody's gonna really want to talk to you but like if you come in with a positive attitude and you're like i love doing this work like you know obviously it's a lot easier to have people knock on your door than to be the one knocking on theirs but i think there's a balance to it i'm i just want to kind of reflect on sort of what i'm hearing and I'm hearing a lot of things like without the words being said, but a lot of things about like being centered and being balanced and like kind of keeping those emotions at bay. Um, I'm, I'm curious, actually, no, is there something about your personality or maybe your upbringing and background that has like um, kind of taught you or, or trained you about the importance of like having those aspects in your life, both professionally and personally? I don't know, you know, personally, I'm not sure. Um, but I do think that professionally, there's some some influence from like my, my parents, probably in that, you know, like, um, so I was like, always, you know, I was in uh, the art classes in high school and, and was like, sort of on that, that art track uh, into college, too. Um, and I think, you know, both of my younger brothers, uh, are in or going into like banking. Um, and like, I, so I think my parents, uh, you know, were always super, super supportive around creative stuff, but it was Mm -hmm. always with like a little bit of an underlying like pragmatism or like, um, you know, Oh, you're like doing this thing. And then what's that going to be, you know, or like, how's that going to work out or something? And like, obviously everyone gets, gets thoughts from their parents on their career. And I I wouldn't say it's like shaped me to some massive degree, but like in the grand scheme of like people we know and like, um, you know, my friends from art school and, you know, like I was always sort of mentally on the practical side of the, of the artists. Like I would still fall way on the creative side and, and sort of like, you know, I'm not, I don't have like, spreadsheets organizing my life or like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty messy. Like, it's not like a a thing that's like taken over my whole personality, but, uh, but compared to other people in our fields and, and who are creative for a living, I feel like, yeah, I sort of had that instilled in me where it's like, you know, 
all right, you got to know what you're doing with this, or you got to like figure out how to make money with it. Um, which is basically why, um, this ties back pretty neatly, uh, to like why I even did design in the first place was because like my sophomore year of college, I was like, Oh, do I do studio art? Do I do like creative writing or something totally different? And then design was basically just this like practical applied version of art that seemed like you could get a job easier. And that's like mm-hmm. why I did it, which is like, so like, I don't know, like not a good reason. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it sounds kind of like cowardly almost to be yeah. like, you know, yeah, I chose Definitely that because like, yeah. So, and then obviously like from there, it kind of grew in like a more romantic way, I guess. But, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it definitely kind of follows me that like practical approach to, to decision-making, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I mean, I don't know, James, I feel like I used to have these conversations with James a lot in grad school too, where it was like, I used to be like the most I still am, I think, a very practical person, despite the fact that everything uh, else in my life maybe points otherwise. Like, I don't know. It's there is like there are a lot of interesting parallels to your story and mine. And I do find that to be this sort of this weird thing where it's like I used to feel like I was the most like buttoned up straight laced person at like RISD for instance you know I'm like doing this like populist sort of like like I was the one who was like before I got to RISD like I was on those like dribble vector like wave you know which is why it's interesting for you to say that because it's like everybody's been there but no one wants to admit it or something it's like it's so true uh, and you know I think that that's super important too to like respect the process and respect the maturation and also recognize like why we got into this industry in the first place. Like, yes, there is a side of it where you romanticize design. Obviously you probably did too, to a degree, especially once you committed to it. But I do think that like, it is a super pragmatic and kind of capitalistic way of doing art. Totally. Um, I think, I think now being in this position too, of like starting my studio is like, now I feel like I have to marry the two more whereas like six months ago when i was still full-time i was like okay so there's like the kind of the capitalist side of like i'm gonna go to work for these hours um and then on the other side there's this like kind of art practice um not because all design that's freelance is art and all design that's corporate is is uh, just that literally the projects i was doing were like you know record covers for like $200, but like I spend like two months on it. You know what I mean? Like stuff that like makes no practical sense from like a, a person running a business. Um, well, like frees you like that attitude was able, freed you to be able to do those types of projects without worrying. Totally. It's, it's been, Uh, which is such a massive, like, like I think Renald feels the same way. Like we're both so like, it was such a formative experience to, to be at medium you know, for, for the, the creative aspect of it and working with all these great people. Um, but also just like getting paid a tech salary at this age, like I think kind of just empowered both of us to like this big degree where it's like, Oh, like, wow. You know, like I can take care of this money wise, or I can just like be more comfortable taking risks, um, that most people our age are probably not close to. I was just going to say like, 
there is this interesting thing that I also struggle with in my work that I wonder if you do, and especially in terms of like having parents who are, you know, sort of practical and, and, and siblings who do like relatively normal, uh, work that's kind of like seen as oh yeah you're like a banker or my you know my sister's like an architectural historian so there is some creativity there uh and it's not like necessarily middle of the road but it is like she works at an architecture firm or my brother he's like in finance and that kind of stuff so there is this sort of thing where it's like well what makes you think you're so special that you get to do things your own way and and what makes you think that like I had a problem with self care and like self esteem in that like why do I think I'm so special that like people should pay me to do this thing that I'm good at in the specific way that I do it right because what one of the reasons why you go freelance is because you think like I do things a specific way that I think people find valuable <laughs> but also yeah. it's a struggle where it's like it's not an ego thing necessarily it's just what you're good at and you want to like follow through with your intuition and with what you're good at but I think that there is a fear at least for me, that people will think that I'm like an egotist or that I'm doing things to serve myself. And yeah, maybe there is a lot of that. I don't know, but <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's a, it's a really kind of like tough, tough thing to, to answer or figure out. Cause I feel the same way. I, I, I luckily I think because, cause my, I wouldn't describe my parents as like, like, just so practical and so like unbudging on or uninterested in creative stuff. Like I think both of them had kind of creative backgrounds before they ended up doing what they did. So like uh, there was at least a kind of respect for it where it was like, okay, yes, like that's the artsy kid, but like, you know, uh, it's not like, you know, you need to like do that. You like, you need to like work and get this type of job and go to this. Like it was sort of like, we'll let you figure it out. But like, you know, just, you know, think about it or something like it was like, it was pretty hands off. Um, and, uh, but just to just, you know, for this conversation to kind of like go, go deeper into it and to think about, yeah, why, why do I think about these career things this way? Like, that's definitely a big part of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious with James, with your, I mean, your brother's a painter and you, yeah, are... my brother's a painter and my, and my dad was like an executive, but he was also like a, like they all, my parents also ran a dry cleaner and a cafe and like my, my parents like career history is like pretty chaotic, <laughs> but, um, um, yeah. support now? We love hearing from the design community. Call us at 202-507-9158. Please share your story with us after the tone. We'll do our best to respond on our podcast. Please leave a name or alias, design role, and location. Thank you for your call.
how you use this, not necessarily social media, but like Tumblr, for instance, like you answer questions from people. There's like a way of like using social media to care for a community, which is obviously something we're interested in, like posting things that are helpful Mm -hmm. and not creating this sort of false sense that like, you know, there's one right way to do it. And like, you just have to be perfect to achieve anything at all in life. It's like opening the the door to conversation and yeah, I mean, care and aid as like a thing to yeah get that's from that's each definitely other. that's definitely like important to me and i kind of want to figure out ways of like doing that more uh and doing that better uh at at scale whatever that means you know whether it's mm-hmm. yeah occasionally people ask questions on my tumblr which is fun if they're like a decent question then you can like um sort of just like i don't know go off your personal experience and it's like a place where it feels like no one's really watching like it's not like i'm like Hey, ask me anything in this like live Instagram session where like, you know, you're going to like see my face like sitting there. It's like, mm-hmm. no, like nobody really, I don't know. People kind of don't care about Tumblr anymore. So it's like kind of a fun place to be because people are just like, nobody's around and I can just answer this question and like maybe five people will like it. And, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. cool, five people appreciated this like truly, do, you know. Do you have a sense for what, what and when, you felt that that was like that way of being changed in the industry or changed for you. Like, you know, when I was in college, I felt like it was very, still very cool to be like detached and emotionally like removed, especially like indie culture and like hipster culture was very much still in that wave of like, you know, being cool means not necessarily like showing people how you feel all the time, you know? And mm-hmm. I think it's definitely shifted and specifically in graphic design, this like sort of cold, detached, minimalist, beanie, white shirt and jeans thing is not really a thing anymore, right? I didn't know the beanie right. was the new uh, part of the attire. No, that was old. <laughs> that was like when I was in college, I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Are you saying because you wear a beanie? <laughs> no, I don't wear a beanie. I wear hats. But uh, I'm just saying like, you know, I think like for me personally, like when Braulio Amato opened like sshh and started doing those workshops like yeah hey yeah. here's how i make my projects like that was like the first time i saw somebody do that at that level yeah like, holy shit you it's can just take cool, a class right? with this guy yeah like yeah um, i really like that idea too and it, there is like a natural worry with that type of thing too where which obviously braulio is like past the point of caring or is just like i feel like he actually just uh I sort of try to do this sometimes too, to a, to much more like sort of low key extent, like create a challenge for yourself in a given project or in a given body of work. And, um, and in trying to, to work towards that thing or to like do without the tools that you usually use or something like you'll end up somewhere interesting. So like, mm-hmm. like he said something at some point, which is like, here's how I make my like fuzzy type, like, right. you know, guess I'll never be able to do it again or something, you know, like, I think that's, I think that's, that's cool. And that's a, an interesting way of, um, of helping out, especially younger people, because I think in design, there's like, there's a lot of like Ted talk type people, you know what I mean? Um, especially when you're first coming into the industry or like 20 minute talks Mm -hmm. on like something vaguely about design or like about, you know, like the arrow and the FedEx logo or something. But like, I feel like there aren't like, 
um, or there are starting to be maybe now more with like YouTube and stuff, but like, mm -hmm. like people need to learn the actual technical stuff too, right? Like people need to learn how to like make some weird effect in Photoshop, you know, or at right. least learn that you can do that so that they can go find some new way of making on their own. Like, yeah, I felt like my, my undergrad experience was really lacking in that. Like it was, it was very conceptually driven. Um, and not very technical and so it felt like it took me a lot of outside work um to get up to the technical level that i wanted to be at you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i feel like at portfolio schools like not to like shit on them or anything but like at like sva or something like i feel like technique is like there's a lot of it or they're all just really talented with type when they start the program or something but it's just like it's the output is like really high quality from a technical side and yeah i think sva has a longer tradition of a kind of professional acumen that um, yeah. maybe is less emphasized in other programs um totally. it's interesting actually hearing like no ideas was on a few episodes ago and they talked about that training um uh just a housekeeping note i think we can go maybe like 10 more minutes um not to put a damper on the conversation, but mm -hmm. I think actually what's no, been good. really interesting about this conversation is this, like both you and Drew have this like close relationship between professionalism and your personalities. And I think that's like something that, you know, maybe I've been a little bit dismissive on this show. It's just like, if we're always talking about the industry and the work, like how much does that relate to the personal? And I think like, actually this conversation is a testament to that. It's like, you know, just because like when we talk about emotional and psychological things, doesn't have to be like subjective touchy feely things. It could be just how you approach emails to a certain yeah, yeah. extent, you mm -hmm. know, and how you approach like, relationships and like how you you present yeah. yourself not just like on a like a social media level but just like that internal dialogue um and professionalism so that's been, totally yeah. Yeah, thank you for that that's that's been a yeah. real insight for me that's interesting yeah i think about that I stuff mean, a lot sorry go i was just gonna go no i was just gonna say like generally i speak i think about that kind of stuff a lot not like what is my brand on instagram like definitely not but like you know <laughs> how do i want to like phrase this email so that i come off like accommodating but also like opinionated but also confident you know just like mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. i i put a lot of thought into that kind of stuff because i think i'm i i feel like i'm a pretty good communicator and and um and i sort of can tell when like you know whatever i i feel like i'm i'm somewhat perceptive when it comes to like those kinds of conversations and and i assume that the people i'm talking to are too so it's just like yeah like don't I don't know. Kind of just comes down to like, don't be an asshole. Mm -hmm. But well, yeah, and I also think like, for many people, my and definitely for me, like being professional does not come second. It's not a second nature thing. So like, it does take a particular amount of like discipline, hard work, and like craft in a certain sense to develop that sort of personality and confidence. Like to have the confidence to say, I'm gonna lean into professionalism. And not let it get in the way, not let my like disinterest in like the professional world get in the way of me actually getting the work that I feel like I deserve and getting somewhere where I believe. Because, you know, if you could, it feels like bullshit until it becomes real, right? It's like 
every like for every phony greeting or like hope you had a great weekend that just you wrote out because you're supposed to like it also becomes a real way of communicating where it's like oh i realize now like why people say that because like my weekend was like my week was really hard and like i'm glad that this person actually asked like how i'm doing like it's not all fake it becomes that way but you can make it your own sort of real way of communicating like i try to like really breathe that and not bullshit it like if i ever write an email where it feels too bullshitty i'll try to rephrase it so that it's like how am i connecting with this person i think work can easily become like especially freelance work like pretty lonely right because like if you're if you're talking to just like your clients over email or like you know the people you're subcontracting or working with or whatever it's like if that's all over email and it's it's devoid of like yeah like the pleasantries that you're talking about drew like it could very quickly get get lonely whereas like at least with a full-time job like you have coworkers, you have people you see every day and they ask you how you are and all that kind of stuff so that's been important mm-hmm. to me too is to like try to even if it's just over the internet like maintain actual connections with people too um like i'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie and say that i like still text like every client i've ever worked with or anything like that but like but like uh, the people that i do um it's not it's not all uh like either you know work people and client people who i tolerate and then my real friends who i love and care about like there is some crossover you know and yeah and yeah like i think that's I mean, kind think, of key yeah i mean i think noah and i like are sort of becoming friendlier because we like went to get a drink like a couple weeks ago, like Alana, who was on the show, I consider her like one of my closest friends, at least in terms of an internet relationship. Like we, we talk almost every day and I became friends with her from asking her if I could come to her studio and like talk to her about her work. So it's like, and that's happened multiple times. It's not like, and I think like this industry is unique in that respect. I recognize that we also are running out of time and we, we had a lot of questions about your work and like the way you work, uh, which I feel like we might want to have like a, like a part two because this this has been really great, but um, maybe, you know, I think this also goes nicely into this, which is like your work feels very emotional. Um, And it feels like, you know, there are a lot of emotions in the work and the way that you work might be emotional. Could you talk a bit about like how you, approach the work in terms of your emotions towards the projects and like what, yeah. If, if there's anything that comes to mind. Hmm. Um, I would say I kind of just like, especially doing a lot of music projects, like you get to listen to the music while you're working on it, which is kind of a nice, um, or like, you know, books, book covers, supposedly you read the book, but you don't really read the book. Um, but like, like, (laughs) I think basically I, I try not to come into projects with like my own agenda in a big way. Um, and I might have some thoughts or like, Oh, it'd be super cool to do like a, I don't know, a really dark cover or something. And then like, I hear from the musician and they're like, Oh, it's like actually like about bird songs, even though it sounds really dark or something. And then it's like, Oh, okay, well, so I'm not going to do the dark cover or I like purposely am. Cause it's against the, you know, so it's just like, for me, it's more about reacting to, to what um, a client wants. And sometimes clients like give a lot and will write like a emotional diary entry styles thing about like 
what this project means to them, which is really great. And then sometimes they won't at all, or it'll be like a marketing department or something. And it's not, it doesn't have that like sort of, um, emotion that you're talking about. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the short answer is like, when I can, I, I try to, um, get that out of the people I'm working with and then just sort of try to channel it a little bit. And mm. when I can't get that from people, then I have to sort of like make it up. Um, and that's kind of a weird space to be in. Cause you're sort of like this, like, I don't know, you're kind of like the screenwriter and the director and all these things that, that you maybe shouldn't be in an ideal design project, but mm-hmm. it does sometimes make for interesting work. Yeah. I mean, I'm also curious cause like it does seem like with your type of work, if you weren't emotionally invested in it, it wouldn't really end up being very interesting. Like there has to, I don't know, maybe I'm just projecting this onto you, but like, it feels like there's like, you get into a zone, there's this sort of like, mo- there's this sort of process that's very intuitive and very much trusting your instincts and kind of, I don't, it doesn't feel like that that's something that you could kind of art direct in a certain sense. Like, I don't know, like maybe like you get to a certain place and you're like, okay, this is, this is it. Like there's all this kind of crazy texture and like imagery going around. It's like you, pre- how do you present that idea? And then how does it be- get sort of, what's the feedback loop like process <laughs> on that? Like, and, and how do you sort of remove that emotional investment to the point where you're not like heartbroken that you mm. spent maybe like an hour and a half in like this super, super meditative zone where you're like doing really crazy. Like I know the feeling of like being like, whoa, this texture and like whatever this means, you know, <laughs> I feel that. And yeah. then like somebody's just like, why did you, why is it green? And like, can yeah, you yeah, change yeah. that? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to negotiate. I don't think it gets really any easier. Um, but ideally I think, you know, as is the case with a bunch of those um, record sleeves for AD93, the artist is sort of bought into the fact that they're working with this small experimental label. Um, and the label, you know, sort of makes decisions that are interesting for the label and interesting for the release and the music and not for like, I don't know, making that artist the next big star. Um, and so they're sort of buying into that just by working with them, which is really nice. Cause mm-hmm. it's sort of like, there's a little bit of like, a you know, um, you know, barrier to entry for someone who's going to like engage on, on very different terms than you. Um, mm-hmm. so that's kind of nice. It sorts people out a little bit. So those projects can be weird and, you know, yeah, like as far as feedback, I mean, I don't know if I, I told you this when we got drinks, but like Alex, who I, I worked with on a, most of the releases that I, I did with them was just like has been a total kind of mentor and, and big source of uh, inspiration um, over the past couple of years. And, and his way of presenting the work I thought was really, it worked perfectly for what it was. Um, it doesn't work for every client, but like we would just send like a, basically like a two page email um, of like, you know, and he was British. So it just came off better too. like <laughs> writing this like big novel about like why your record cover like looks like a, I don't know. Yeah. A sandstorm with like a cave painting <laughs> embossed on it or something. Um, and so like that, that, um, that mindset of like, oh, I'm just going to over explain and like actually get into all the decisions that I made and how they all tie back to the conceptual beginnings of this project, um, worked in that situation. And, um, 
and it, it didn't work every time. Like sometimes they'd just be like, no, like this, this part is bad or something, but it was just this like mutual level of respect and understanding where you're not getting paid much, you know, they haven't heard from you in a couple of weeks. So they know you've been working hard on this for a long time. You know, it's just like it, 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 the situation was right. Like it wasn't, it's not replicable in every situation. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like yeah. important, I think, to to be aware of is like your ideal project conditions. Like hopefully they happen occasionally, but they definitely don't happen like constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, to follow up on that too, like one thing we wanted to know is like if if you would describe your practice as like, spiritual at all because there does seem to be this sort of like i hate to use these terms because they're like appropriated but like zen wabi sabi like this sort of like beautiful mess quality to it which i find often ties in with like this this sort sort of like meditative embrace of imperfection and patience and being open to like chaos that may enter in like how do you feel about that and where does your head go when you're working on those types of projects? I think, I think it, um, it only, it only enters that sort of area in like research stages and like, like the description you had at the beginning, like it's probably like a longer question or longer answer, but like this idea of being like, um, led by the process or like process based, I think kind of allows for all this stuff. Um, and sometimes that means you end up with something really insane looking or, or really clean looking. Um, but, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's, it's consciously like in, in those kind of camps of, of Zen or, or that there's any like real spirituality, um, in it from my end, but there is definitely, um, like concept and intent and then just a lot of process and a lot of versioning and discovering things and like sorting through the mess and finding something and like kind of sometimes more of like, instead of like trying to find the right thing or make the right thing, like almost just like making a big mess or like making a sculpture kind of, and then just like, or like, you know how they chip away at just like a big cube Mm -hmm. of rock. And then you start to make the sculpture, like kind of more like that where you're like Mm -hmm. trying to find the thing within the process as opposed to um, starting out with the thing and then, ruining it right right how do you know i think it was also interesting james i think it was also interesting about your work in terms of that metaphor it's like you're chipping away at the marble block but you're also using the chipped pieces (laughs) like there's like there's a weird economy uh to your to your work that's like there's no waste in some ways um which i think is really interesting and that must be from a lot of iteration and a lot of like process um yeah, yeah, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think we got to wrap it up here. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, I mean, this has been really insightful for me. I think it's been interesting hearing both of you talk. Um, uh, Judy, do you have any other comments? Um, yeah, is there anything else you would love for the loyal 150 people? <laughs> Who listened to, no, I'm just kidding. The loyal audience here uh, to know. But also, like, we need to figure out this mantra situation, too, I think. Oh, you're right, oh, right, no. right. That's the last thing we have to do. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to, like, continue talking about this at a later time. But And if our, if our audience has any questions for Noah, please call the 
hotline, which we have been plugging and Definitely. are really excited to hear from you all. But um, yeah, what do you think the mantra here could be? Noah, do you have any ideas mm. about that? I kind of liked what, what James was just saying about the like the block and using the pieces or something. Chipping <laughs> away. Oh, like the, the residue using yeah. the chip yeah <laughs> it's not very it's like elegant the, the detritus is just as important as the like yeah or like or like the the process is the result or something or is the, the journey result? is just important as the destination well, I, really I, I mean i I, exactly. I i keep on harping on this like professional personal line mm. maybe the process is the profession I like it. Is the process is the profession is the personal. I like it. I think that, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. Maybe a rephrase. Maybe we could work on the, we could workshop the phrasing. <laughs> the but phrasing, it yeah. It definitely sounds, I think. The three P's. Like who you are professionally, your process as a professional and as a designer are all working together like they're not separate things they're sort of <laughs> they're sort of like veering far from a mantra <laughs> the mantra is practice professional process oh that's it that's it that's it <laughs> practice it. professional process um yeah i mean this has been awesome i that wish actually, we had more that, time i, I think yeah, that works. Yeah, sorry we we don't have more time, um, but this has been I a have great to talk conversation. To my condo association about uh, why our roof keeps leaking. So, oh no. Um, yeah, well, it's been been great being here, and, and thanks for talking, guys.